a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. everyone and welcome to a new episode of Force Ghost Coast to Coast, a multiversity comics podcast about all things Star Wars related. I am your host, Alice W. Castle, as always, here to bring you whatever's new and latest in the galaxy far, far away. And joining me tonight, uh, soon becoming my Chewbacca to my hand solo, is Brian Salvatore. How are you doing, Brian? <laughs> um, I had to. I had to. Uh, no, I'm doing well. It, yes. It's uh, it's nice to be back. We haven't done this in a while, and uh, looking forward yeah. to chatting. So yeah, it's been. I think we missed last month, so it's been a little while since we talked. Um, and I think mostly this episode is going to cover the lead up to Solo, a Star Wars story, because that is releasing in about 15 days, I think. Something very silly like that. The premiere is actually the night we are recording it, just to date this episode entirely. <laughs> um, we we were very excited for The Last Jedi, I think is an understatement. <laughs> Certainly. And we were kind of looking forward to that movie for about a year, at least maybe two. Um, how are you feeling about Solo in the like final weeks leading up to its actual release? I have a, I have a, a lot of emotion not emotions is the wrong word I I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of feelings about this movie like I, I I don't know why I have so many sort of conflicting feelings about this movie when when sure. Rogue when Rogue One was was coming out I did not have too many high hopes for it only because I think I I just didn't know what to expect at all from a non um, Skywalker Saga Star Wars movie. Yeah. And so I, I, I was kind of, you know, I mean, I was looking forward to it. I was happy there was a Star Wars movie coming up, but I, I sort of had lowered expectations. And then the movie, to me, exceeded all expectations that I had for it. With Solo, there's a lot going on. Like, you know, on one hand, mm-hmm. of all the Star Wars movies to be made, I don't know if a young Han Solo movie is the one I would particularly have chosen. Um... Yeah, you know, I I was a big fan of the the Jump Street movies and the Lego Movie from the original directors. Uh, would I have chosen to take them off the film? No, I wouldn't have. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, there's a lot there's a lot of those sort of um, caveats that I think are keeping people like us from wholeheartedly embracing the film. That said, I think that the trailers and TV spots have all looked better than I expected. I think Donald mm-hmm. Glover is going to be a majestic Lando, and so good. And I'm 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 ready to give it a shot. I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. What about you? How are you feeling about it? I'm kind of in the same boat. I kind of have to pinch myself every time I think about it because I'm convinced it's not a real movie and it's still not really happening. Because <laughs> that that was just where I was sitting for the longest time was just wait. The, oh yeah, they're actually they're making this movie. 
wait, they're actually getting Ron Howard to reshoot uh, reportedly about 70% of the film uh, has been done by Ron Howard, which is like the majority of the film either redone whole cloth with just Ron Howard in the cast or new stuff that Ron Howard may have brought to the film. So it is, by most accounts, not the film that uh, Lord and were make potentially or at least would end up have been so yeah i was in the same boat where you know i i wasn't really very excited by the uh, i like han solo but he was never really my star wars character like luke was the star wars character for me like luke and leia were the characters of star wars han was just a character i liked he was never one that i was interested in following beyond the main scope of the saga but you know it was Lawrence Kasdan writing it with his son Lawrence Kasdan is the Han Solo guy I think in terms of writing even beyond George Lucas himself um so I was like yeah I'll give that a shot I really loved what Lord and Miller did with concepts that shouldn't work in the Lego movie and in the Jump Street movies and even kind of in Clear with a Chance of Meatballs I was like if anyone can make a concept that I'm not sure about work. It's those two. And then, obviously, they were taken off the film, replaced with Ron Howard. I think we were both kind of in the same boat at the beginning when that happened, which was, this is an extremely safe choice for Lucasfilm. Yes. And I think that was kind of the wind out of our sails a little bit, um, of going from these really wild directors to, you know... I like Ron Howard, but Ron Howard's Ron Howard. And that that was interesting. But as you said, like with every new like trailer, TV spot kind of clip that they've shown, I want to go see this movie. I think it looks like a good movie. I, I have no idea if we're going to be able... Like, you know, my biggest nightmare with this movie is that we're going to be able to watch it and clearly tell what's a Lord and Miller scene versus what's a uh, Ron Howard scene. Uh, sure. The rumor is that the first like month of shooting all had to be redone because... Um, why am I blanking on Han Solo's name? Uh, Alden... Uh, Alden uh, Ehrenreich? Ehrenreich. Uh, supposedly yeah. his dialogue was really rough in the beginning, and they had to bring in a dialect coach mm-hmm. for him. And, you know, so I, I wonder how much of that early stuff actually wound up still in the film. Like, I, I think that the worst-case the worst case scenario for this film is that it's a patchwork quilt of all these different, mm-hmm. um, you know, circumstances. I think as long as it avoids that and it tells a reasonably fun story, I'll be okay with it. The thing I yeah. am really concerned about, not concerned, that's the wrong word, thing I'm really interested to see is, you know, there was this sort of muted response to The Last Jedi by a lot of stupid people, and you you still see people (laughs) kind of slagging that film for no reason. If this becomes the second Star Wars film in a row to be uh, polarizing, I wonder if that will change the post-saga plans. Because we, we Mm -hmm. we have announcements of two series of films coming out. The, um, Obviously, the Ryan Johnson trilogy, and then as well yeah. the Game of Thrones guys trilogy uh, series of films. They haven't 
They haven't called that a trilogy yet. They've, they've said that's just a series yeah. of films. And we know that, like, you know, um, that that Solo, that, that the cast of Solo all signed uh, three picture deals, reportedly. Or at least the major characters did. Uh, so there's potential yeah. for, for Solo sequels. And, you know, we keep hearing rumors of an Obi-Wan movie and a Yoda movie and a Boba Fett movie. But we really don't know where the where the the where Lucasfilm's going to take Star Wars films after the ninth installment of the saga, and I wonder if they're holding off making that announcement until seeing how Solo does. Because mm-hmm. I yeah. think that a failure here potentially could change everything for for the for the Lucasfilm game plan. That's true. Although it is like it's a weird thing where. In my opinion, this is some of the best Star Wars we've had in decades. And I don't think I'm alone in that. Obviously, I didn't, you know, I wasn't alive during the literal golden age of the original trilogy coming out. But in terms of like Star Wars out with those original films at the time, like looking back on it, you know, maybe the holiday special wasn't the best of times. <laughs> um,. But I, I think, you know, the track record that Lucasfilm has put out is of really solid movies. Like, Force Awakens had its criticisms as it came out. I still think that's a great movie. Even I have my criticisms at this point. But, you know, Force Awakens was good. It did what it needed to do in revitalizing the franchise and getting more people talking about it. Because there was a while there where, like, after Revenge of the Sith kind of finished, like, Star Wars, like, Star Wars never really leaves the popular consciousness, but it wasn't a forefront like it is now again. Right, certainly. I mean, I would say, like, when you think about it, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but just, I, 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 I feel like when Disney bought Lucasfilm, was that right before Rebels came out? Yes, So I believe so. Like, from Rebels onward. Can you think of a single real failure with Lucasfilm and Star Wars? Uh, not on Lucasfilm's side. Like, the only thing that I can think of as a mitigated failure was Battlefront 2, but that was EA's fault. Right. I, I wouldn't put that on uh, Lucasfilm. Because even, like, Rebels has had its kind of, like, I, I was, I am admitted, like, I was very not into the first series of Rebels. I love that show now. Like that that was a marked upcrease in quality by each season. Um and I was saying like Force Awakens is a great movie. Rogue One I think is a fantastic movie. Last Jedi might be my favorite Star Wars movie of all time, but they've all had their detractors in one way or another, so I don't it's one of those things where I don't know how to qualify Solo as a failure, even if, you know, The Last Jedi maybe not having the best response, or at least having a polarizing response, largely in cases, as you said, amongst idiots and bigots. <laughs> but I, because, I, like, Last Jedi made a lot of money and was very critically successful more or less disregarding the people who decided to cut out all of the women in a re-edit, which agenda much. But yeah, it's one of those things where like, 
sure if people are still still have a bad taste in their mouth from Last Jedi for whatever reason, and that affects Solo's performance, it's hard to unwrite this ship, I think. At least not until in my opinion, episode nine, like that, that'll be where things kind of, uh, that, that'll be where we see chips start to fall. Yeah. I, the other, you know, as we're talking about this, I sort of had an alternate, I, uh, thought pop in my head, which is that this, <coughs> excuse me, uh, this production has been so troubled that if it's anything other than a total failure, it almost has to be a success. Like if you if you think about yeah. it and you say like you know here's a movie that lost two directors that had to reshoot seventy percent of it you know all, all these things you know that that's leading actor apparently did not like grip the nuance of the character until you know weeks into filming and it still does pretty well at the box office and it still has reasonably good reviews that has to be a win you know mm-hmm. and also let's not forget and I think I forget this all the time let's not forget that the prequels were terribly reviewed. Oh, yeah. And it didn't stop anything. Now, the difference, of course, is that um, Disney, I think, is more mercenary than Lucasfilm was pre-Disney. Yeah. But, you know, I I think they're more willing to pull the plug on something now. And also, at the time, I feel like... I don't know. It's it's a different landscape. I feel like things... I feel Mm -hmm. like things end prematurely far more often now than they did in the late 90s. Like, like, sure, yeah. Like, I feel like film franchises in particular carried on way longer then than they do now because people were reluctant to pull the plug for whatever reason. Um, but you know, the other thing is, I, I don't know if this is still standing. I saw this a couple of days ago. I probably should have researched this, but uh, sorry, listeners. Um, at, at some point, Solo was on pace to be the biggest opening of any Star Wars movie ever by ticket sales. Interesting. And I wonder if that's a time huh, of year thing. That's a... Because... Oh, <laughs> interestingly, Googling solo box office, the top story from a day ago on Forbes is the the, the uh, headline is Solo could be the lowest grossing Star oh. Wars ever, <laughs> in parentheses, from a certain point of view. Oh. So, honestly, who knows at this point? <laughs> Uh, but I wonder if, if the time of year, because you know they've been trying to get a May opening for a lo- for all these for all the new movies, and everyone has been yeah. pushed back to December, and so this is finally getting its May opening. And I wonder if the box office is just that much better at uh, at this time of year. That is true. I don't know. Uh, so- yeah. Sorry, just skimming through this Forbes article. It is pretty much the same thing is that a Memorial Day weekend is very different from the December releases we've had so far. Mm-hmm. So that plus inflation of the original films will skew stuff, I guess. But also I'm terrible with economics, so <laughs> it's like half Greek to me. Right. Um, so I, I thought of a kind of a fun little game for us to play involving Solo. Which is okay. that? Um, Fantastic! You're gonna name something that you're excited about about the film, and then I'm gonna name something I'm I'm uh, apprehensive about about the film, and then we'll reverse it. So you go first. What, what's a part of Solo you're looking forward to? Um, 
I mean, like, the easy answer is Donald Glover's Land of Calrissian, but I feel like I, I want to go for something a bit more original. Um, I am, I'm actually, like, I've been thinking about this for the past week, and it's ever since they released the, like, full clip of the... It's a scene we've seen in uh, one of the trailers where uh, Han is flying the Falcon through whatever weird, like, tentacle worm tunnel thing is going on. Uh-huh. And... Like Chewie starts flipping some switches, and Han turns is like, "Where did you learn to fly?" Chewie growls, and Han reacts like, "You're 190 years old." They released like the full minute-long clip of that, and outside of like trailer bites and like the clips that they really put over voiceovers, Alden Ehrenreich has like not Harrison Ford's voice down, but like Han's voice down. In certain moments, and I'm actually excited to see what happens with that because I think, given the space to breathe in a scene, he can be really surprising. And I think that's where people have been like judging him is like, maybe you don't like to how people imagine Han Solo, but with the space, he can hopefully you, you can't see the fingers crossed that I have up. Um, hopefully will do justice to the character. So one thing that I'm apprehensive about is, um, and I I have not clicked the article yet. I've seen, I've seen a couple of different articles saying Mark Hamill promises a blank cameo in solo. Now. Okay. I, it can't be Luke, right? Like that wouldn't make any sense. Um, yeah, that he's uh like a ten year old, I think, yeah, during he, this movie. He'd be like a ten year old guy who's never left Tatooine, right? So it's not gonna be him. But I just I, I really hope that there's not a shitty cameo shoehorned in here for no reason. Um some of the guesses yeah. I would say, like C three PO you know, uh, Tony, mm-hmm. uh, Tony, I almost said Tony Daniel. That's how fucked up my brain is from working at Multiversity for all these years. Jesus. Um, what's his name? I mean, a Tony Daniel cameo in, <laughs> uh, is, is actually Anthony uh, Daniels. Anthony Daniels, there we go. Um, I, I feel like Anthony Daniels has is the only actor to appear in every Star Wars film so far. And so yeah. they're probably going to want him in there, but they don't have to do that with C-3PO, if you ask me. Um, no. So, and that's sort of, but my sort of overall general fear is that they're going to try and do, uh, either they're going to try and connect this too much, and I feel like mm-hmm. there's no need to connect it that much to the other films. The fact that it's a Han Solo sure. movie connects it enough. Because I think that was one of the things that Rogue One kind of had in its favor, is because of how like naturally connected it was to A New Hope. Those moments it's like open RTD to kind of leading into Leia's reveal at the end. Even just Jimmy Smith showing up as Bail Organa, like those were cool connective tissue moments that Solo doesn't need because you already have Han growing up, like a canon look at what Corellia is like, mm-hmm. his time at the Imperial Flight Academy and like just serving as an Imperial before deserting his introduction to Chewbacca, winning the Falcon off of Lando, Lando's in the film. Like, those are the moments that 
should the film should stand on. Right. So yeah, I I really hope they don't start adding things on top of that that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, so the thing I'm excited about, or a thing I'm excited about. So I am not super familiar with composer John Powell's work. Um, sure. But uh, I know that John Williams wrote a Han Solo theme for this. Mm-hmm. A piece of music that is meant to be Han. Because Han doesn't really have a theme, like, musically throughout the uh, Star Wars trilogy. Um, yeah. Huh. And and they, and they John Powell supposedly wrote a Chewbacca theme as well. And yes. so, um, although... The Han theme especially is very limited. They're not going to be able to go back and put it into A New Hope or anything. I just think it's cool mm-hmm. that these two characters that are cornerstones of Star Wars finally are getting their own musical motifs. I think that's really cool. So briefly Googling John Powell, he's actually fairly prolific, but in films that you're never going to think about exactly, yeah. the score of. Yeah, I looked him up before. It's like, you know, uh, Ferdinand <laughs> and uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2. And uh, he... although like the music in How to Train Your Dragon is actually pretty solid, so oh, really? I, I've never I, seen I hope films. that works. My kids oh, aren't I quite old films. enough yet for those films, so what I, I think you'd actually really enjoy them. I, I think they're pretty dope. Uh, um, I'll add it to the list. But then. actually, yes, the uh, clip that I was mentioning, the like 190 years old. One of the things I loved about that is that because it's the Falcon going through, like I mentioned, tentacle wormhole space thing i don't i cannot figure out what is it meant to be the castle run i don't actually know um but they're playing the a re, like remastered or remixed into the score version of the asteroid belt motif from empire that kind of breaks down into this kind of a little bit of i think what's meant to be the chewy theme for his bit and then into what like the rest of the scenes so i like the idea of powell potentially using bits and pieces of other uh williams motif for like han stuff that was throughout the original trilogy i i hope we see a bit more of that yeah i agree and what's your uh your negative um th- like it, it's not something that's come up much but it is paul bettany okay because so we have, I have very little information on Bettany's role other than he is the bad guy. Um, big quotation marks there because like it's a film where everyone's a criminal. Um, but he's the guy who's either like I don't know hiring everyone who betrays them or is the guy they're running the job on or what have you. But what I do know is that. Michael K. Williams was originally cast in that role right. when Lord and Miller were directing and was mentioned as being a motion capture alien um, described by Williams as half mountain lion, half human, which potentially leads me to think of, um, oh, what were they called? Uh, Cathar, I think, were an expanded universe species that were like basically lionoid humans the Thundercats. Um, you're, you're, you're mispronouncing Thundercats. yeah yeah there it's he was playing a thundercat um but there was a, like when ron howard came in something happened and the role got recast to paul bettany and I, I i don't have much against paul bettany but 
you know, he's not Omar, you know? <laughs> like, if you have Michael K. Williams, you keep Michael K. Williams. And just the idea of, I, I, I don't think it's particularly great optics, although no one, I haven't seen many people bring this up, of having a black man in a role that is literally an alien and recasting it to a white guy, but having his face on display, I don't think is particularly great. And I, I obviously I don't know the circumstances around the recasting, but it was a moment during the kind of reshuffling that I it kind of rubbed me the wrong way, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the optics are horrible. <laughs> and uh, I also think that, that Michael K. Williams is a a far more interesting choice, even if you like Paul Bettany. Yeah. Just a more interesting choice. Um, I will say that if if Lucasfilm was looking at the Lord and Miller stuff and just feeling like it was it was out of the tone of Star Wars, and maybe they determined that the villain was part of the tonal problem, and they didn't want a half mountain lion, half person anymore in there, and just wanted a straighter role. And, and what I had read, and maybe this is incorrect, is that Williams, schedule wise, could not do the reshoots. And oh, sure. So, okay. So if all of that, and, and maybe I misread that. I thought I'd read that. If that is all the case, they they had to redo with the villain. They couldn't they couldn't get him to be back for the reshoots. Then I'm less worried about that. But it's still not, the optics mm-hmm. of it are still really bad. Yeah, like even if they can't get Williams back, I, I like I think the like even if it was a scheduling uh thing, which is very likely on a production like this. It was the moment where it went from motion capture alien played by black man to White just dude. Paul Bettany with, <laughs> I think, some facial scars. And, like, again, I, I have no b- beef with Paul Bettany, but I've never seen a whiter man than Paul <laughs> Bettany. Well, just wait until Avengers 4 when they somehow make him the white vision. Oh, God, that might actually happen. Oh, it's going to happen, baby. It's going to happen. Oh god, I forgot about White Vision. Uh, god, I can't even think about Avengers Four at this point. I, I, uh, I am become that's the a whole 90s. other podcast. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, any other sort of lingering uh, solo thoughts? I I have one tangential thought after you're done. But any other lingering solo thoughts for you? Um, I mean, Lando Calrissian has a cape room and the Millennium Falcon, and that's kind of all I've been focusing on since uh, Donald Glover's like tour of the Millennium Falcon video dropped. Um, yeah, I, I think like very briefly, what do you think of the Millennium Falcon in this? The the I guess shiny and new version that we were seeing. Well, you know, I um, aside from the trailers, I haven't watched anything. I always try and okay, watch sure. movies relatively um, blind just so I don't get my hopes up or, or have anything spoiled. But, and, sure. and this kind of ties into what I was going to talk about, I am about uh, 40% through Last Shot, the new Daniel Jose Older um, Han and Lando story. Oh, nice. And um, How is that? It's excellent so far. And uh, it, it takes place uh, about... I guess it's four years after the Battle of Jakku. So Ben, no, sorry, two years because Ben Solo is two in the book. Um, okay, that is not 
at all what I was expecting that novel to be. Exactly the same. But it flashes back to something that happens, um, like, pre-episode four. So there there are these sort of dual narratives that are happening. And it's actually triple narratives, because there's a Lando story, there's a Han story, and then they're together in the in the post-Battle of Jakku storyline. And so there's a lot mm-hmm. about the Millennium Falcon in there and about, a lot about Lando in here, like older Lando. I mean, sorry, younger Lando, rather. And um, sure. it's, it's all super fun. And I think that the Millennium Falcon to us is is this, like, beaten... It's it's garbage, as Ray says in uh, yeah. the, the Force Awakens. And I feel like when you read about Lando, he didn't think of it that way. He really cherished mm-hmm. it. And there's a line in the uh, in last shot about Han feeling like that when he got the ship, the first thing he did was stop cleaning it and like dirtying it up. He felt like <laughs> it, it was too shiny and new. And so I feel like as long as it's established that that's not how Han wants it, I think it's fine mm-hmm. that it's shiny and new. Do you agree? Yeah. Th- like 100%. It's something that um, I-, I think I've mentioned before in the show. Like my work deals with uh, like mildly nerdy stuff, and so I often end up in conversations about Star Wars and Marvel and whatnot. And it's some like, oh, why does the Millennium Falcon look new, or why does it have the the full cone at the front with what is clearly like a cargo pod kind of thing, uh, as opposed to the twin prongs that we're used to. And the one that keeps coming up uh, that Macaulay comes up with is like, if you think about like Lando's, I think second line in Empire, once he's uh, finished like playing with Han and like the the I'm mad at you facade, it's literally what have you done to my ship? Yep. Like, I I just love the idea of they haven't seen each other in so long that he still remembers this shiny new perfect chromed millennium falcon and this beat up hunk of junk like barely lands on cloud city and like the heartbreak because of course lando's gonna have a well-to-do ship where else is he going to bring ladies back to well that is a big part of this novel too let me tell you <laughs> is uh, lando's ladies Good. that that is correct then you're gonna love this book by the way like i got like six pages in and there was one specific thing I'm not going to say, and I was like, oh, this is Alice Catnip. Like, she's going to read this and just love this book. So definitely check it out. I, I definitely will. I'm so far behind on Star Wars novels that uh, I, I need to get back into reading those, but I, I will definitely check that out. Well, see, I, I also I, need to check out... Go ahead. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, no you, go, you go first. I was just going to say I need to check out the Last Jedi novelization, because I know there's more stuff in there that wasn't it was like not script stuff it's stuff that jason fry like expanded on the story and i want to check that out i am about a third of the way through that as well um oh nice so what i was gonna say is i um i somehow got delray books to add me to their press list which is awesome so they get I, i get these books sent to me now but i feel like to ensure they keep getting sent to me I have to talk about them on places like this podcast, and so I need to keep oh, up, or or I'm going to lose out. So, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's not just free books for nothing. Exactly, yes, it has to be uh, used someplace. So you know, so I, I I do take that very seriously. So I was actually thinking when mm. I finish both books, maybe I'll record 
like little mini reviews, and we'll I'll release them as like a bonus episode of the podcast or something. That uh, sounds like a good idea. It will also give me a chance to you know catch up on stuff, and we'll maybe have a book talk episode again. Yeah, let's do that. It's been yeah. ages since we did that. It has been ages since we've done that. Um, you ready for my Clone Wars update? Yes, one hundred percent. I'm always ready. All right. So, um, just today. I watched episode six of season four. Okay. So, yes. um, I, I, I'm reasonably deep into the Clone Wars now. Um, the that big... is just after the Gungan Moncala. Yes. Yes. Um, Our... Yes. After that, we got the one yeah, episode awesome. um, on Naboo, where Jar Jar pretends to be the boss guy. Uh, and then we oh, get yeah. uh, two droid-centric episodes, which were meh, but that's all right. Um, one of which essentially is like a, uh, as I'm writing in my review, a Turner Classic Movies marathon, because the first story is yeah. is like uh, Gulliver's I remember Travels, those episodes. and the second one is um, The Wizard of Oz, and like, you know, just yeah. stuff like that. But anyway, they're fine. Um, but the big change is that one day my daughter came home and I was like, hey, want to watch a Star Wars cartoon with me? And she loves Star Wars. She's like, oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And now she is obsessed with Ahsoka. Like, she loves Ahsoka. Yes. She wants to yes. be Ahsoka for Halloween. Like, she is... she is. This is the best timeline. <laughs> and so, like, we're, we're flying through them right now. And so, um, like, I thought season three was by far the best season so far. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed season three far more than I'm enjoying season four so far. Um... Uh, yeah, the the so the opening arc of season four is not one of my favorites. I I will put it mildly. Uh, I don't like Jar Jar and the Mon Cala stuff. Kind of wasn't for me. Right. The next four episodes are maybe some of the most important of Clone Wars. Okay, cool. Not just, like to put it mildly, like that's one of my favorite. It, it shows a completely other side of the war and Jedi and their relationship to the clones. It's like stunning television. Okay, that's awesome. I'm very excited for that now. What I might do, and I'm saying this out loud to motivate myself to do this, is I might start reviewing six a week instead of three a week so I can get through them faster. Because my goal is to watch all of Clone Wars and all of Rebels with my daughter, hopefully for most of it, before Resistance starts in the fall. Yes, we should. Uh, yes, one hundred percent. I'm very into that. But also, we should mention that the Star Wars straight up announced a new TV show that I I I think is going to be very interesting. So it's called Star Wars Resistance, which in the vein of Star Wars Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels kind of lets you know when it's taking place. It is, I don't think we have a solid kind of timeline, but it's going to be before Force Awakens. Yes, at I least, believe. At least the first season. Yeah. And I presume the whole series we set before Force Awakens. That just seems to make sense. If they're following something similar to Rebels, I would assume so, because Re- Rebels, like, very firmly brushes up to the original trilogy, but like there is a hard line of where stuff stops crossing over. Um just because of animated characters and films, it, it doesn't quite work. But I, I think 
they might do something similar to Resistance, I guess. Uh, I, I'm excited for this, mostly because Dave Filoni's involved, and I think maybe more than anything, anyone at Lucasfilm, Dave Filoni has a handle on what Star Wars is and and how to keep that going. And I, I, I want more Filoni stuff, especially after the season four Rebels finale. That was... Oh boy, you you've got some television in store for you. <laughs> so I um I, I I kind of feel like the 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 biggest bit of information we have besides like it takes there's a new lead character. She's a um mm-hmm. she's a fighter pilot. We know that BB-8, yeah. Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma will all be part of the series. Um that, but, that fascinates me a lot. Me too. Uh, but the biggest bit of information to me is that it's going to be they they've said a couple of times anime inspired, and if you look at the piece yes. of promo artwork, it really does look mm-hmm. like a um, it looks like it's going to be like if not hand drawn in the style of hand drawn animation, mm-hmm. which is a big change from Clone Wars and Rebels. Yes, um, and I think it's a needed change from rebels uh like i i I like rebels a lot but it took two two and a bit seasons maybe up into season three for that animation style to get to a point where the show felt comfortable with it um not just in terms of the art style but the quality of animation what they could do with character models and lighting and just the the money they were putting into it because you you'll have seen with Clone Wars, like they were putting money into that show. Oh yeah, that show still holds up um, because reportedly George Lucas was pocketing like a million dollars per episode into the to the budget of the show, like of his personal money to like get a cinematic quality style animation. Rebels doesn't have that kind of bankroll, so it's a very marked style change something closer to uh original ralph Macquarie artwork but like the the actual animation quality took a while to get going something that hopefully they can kind of live in a bit better in the early like seasons of the show i think will be uh a marked improvement uh over rebels that's interesting that's really interesting um so my question for you is: I was looking at Amazon today, and it appears that for the digital, like the the um, you know just the digital copies of the Rebels episodes, that there are movies that begin the first two series. Yes, they were like uh, TV movies. It's right. basically like uh, the the same way that the movie for the Clone Wars was like. I think four episodes stitched together. Right. Um. These are like episode one and two as. Like, like finger quotes movie. Right, right. Uh, and then I saw there were four shorts that predate that movie. I presume yes. I can find those like on YouTube. Because those did not appear to be in any of these collections. I believe so, because uh, they're like, yeah, they're they're on the Star Wars YouTube channel. Uh, okay, cool. Because they're they're like three minutes long. It's basically like, uh many introductions to the main characters they're not super duper essential but they they do the job that they need to do 
I mean, you got to realize I also read uh, New Dawn. Oh, fantastic! Uh, How did you find that? Oh, I loved it. I, I absolutely adored it. Um, and so I, uh, I have some understanding of the characters, but like the hardest thing for me right now is I know everyone tells me you being the leader of this of this movement that I have to finish Clone Wars before I start Rebels. Yes, yeah. and mm-hmm. I just want to start Rebels already. <laughs> you know, so that that's that's my motivation for reviewing for doing essentially two reviews a week. So I can just yeah. get through this, ha- you know, twice as fast. I I will at least share with you like the rest of season four. Like I because briefly looking at the episodes, like I said, the next what four episodes as like one of my favorite arcs. Like the entire rest of the season is like strength to strength to strength. It's oh god, I, I I'm trying not to hype it up, but okay. I'm remembering going through the season and just loving it. And then my last question, and then we should probably wrap, wrap up the episode, is um, yeah. I know that there are a number of things I have to read after finishing the Clone Wars series. Do mm-hmm. I have to read those things before starting Rebels? Like Dark Disciple no. and Darth Maul, son of uh, Daphne or whatever. Do I have to read those things first or no? No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, Dark Disciple is basically like what would have been just a story arc in season seven or late uh-huh. season six. So it basically just ties up a couple of characters, like loose end storylines. Um, same with son of Dathomir, like son of Dathomir large scale, basically just kind of tells you what he was up to past, like when season six got canceled, essentially. Um, the only one I think that would be of real interest to you is, uh, is the Ahsoka novel. It's okay. not... The, the way Clone Wars and Rebels kind of... the show, but... I want to say, like, a year or so after Revenge of the Sith, so where you kind of see her storyline progress through Clone Wars, that picks up just after where... Into the Sith, she's not in the movie, kind of shows you why and what happens after the Empire takes over and kind of brings her to the point where you know how she ends up in Rebels. Okay. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. I'm probably going to read it all. Um, I just don't know when. Ahsoka is a super duper quick read. Okay, Uh, cool. It's like, it's a young adult novel. It's really good, but it's not like quite as chunky as some of the uh, Delray books are. See, that might take me longer because that might be a book I read to my daughter. Sure, yeah. She would probably really like that, actually. Yeah. Uh, we haven't read, like, big, long books to her yet, but I just bought mm-hmm. the Chronicles of Narnia, the full series, to start wow, reading yes. those to her. So uh, maybe maybe we'll, we'll sneak Ahsoka in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. All right, well, this... It, it does have... And um, like not to spoil anything, but it does have an amazing lightsaber, like factoid almost. Okay, cool. Part of the canon. Um, do you did you read the like not the Kieran Gillen Darth Vader stuff, but like the new stuff with Charles Soule? Have you read any of that yet? I have not read more than an issue or two of any Marvel Star Wars comic. Fair enough. Um, basically, like, the first issue of that has uh, like Palpatine explaining like 
how red lightsabers come about in terms of like they have to be like stolen essentially from the corpse of a jedi by the sith because they're not attuned to the the force crystals the way the jedi are oh that's interesting and that that kind of act uh bleeds the crystal which is turns out red and there is some like kind of a subversion of that in ahsoka which is it's dope i i just oh you'd love that it's it's one of uh, you kind of moment in uh in star wars okay cool yeah, I, I look forward to uh, I look forward to it. Um, should be super fun. Yes. So uh, yeah, well, um, so next time we record, final thoughts. Oh, final thoughts. Um, I I hope by the next time we talk, I'll be into season five of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly into season six, depending on how fast we go. We'll have seen sure. Solo, both of us. Yes, I uh, really want to do a catch up episode with that yeah uh i'll probably have finished last shot and hopefully this last shot novelization and if all goes mm-hmm. well my wife hasn't left me because i've done so much star wars stuff in the last year <laughs> god this is why i'm glad that my girlfriend also likes star wars is that when i ever i get oh I, i've gotten really into the x-wing miniatures game lately okay because fantasy flight announced the second edition and it's like as someone who works for a war gaming company, starting to take over my life, and that is a bad sign. <laughs> so uh, that is, we'll follow that up next episode to see how terrible my life has gone buying small plastic versions of X-wing ships. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, we're getting a dog on Saturday, and nice. My daughter and I have been trying to push for. Uh... For Star Wars names, that's not happening. Boo. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm disappointed. Yeah, well. What you do is you have like a secret name with your daughter for the dog, just to confuse it. Dude, my son's name is Ben. I already have a secret Star Wars name in my life. (laughs) That's true. I keep forgetting about that. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that was an episode. I think so. Cool. So we will very likely uh, follow this up next month with our reactions to Solo. Hopefully we'll bring in other multiversity people who saw the film and see what they thought about it. We'll uh, see who actually goes to see the film at this point. Um, But then, as we said, more Clone Wars talk as we go through that. More novel talk. I have... Uh, Phasma, and from a certain point of view, sitting on my desk to read. I might crack into that very soon, and then I'll see what else I can drum up. Yeah, I, I've read Phasma. I haven't read a certain point of view. Yeah, we, we've talked briefly about that. I've I heard weird things from you about it. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, where can the people find you on the internet, Brian? Um way too much at multiversitycomics.com where uh sure. th- this will be of interest to you Alice we're doing our summer oh. tv binge again and fantastic i am doing the first season of the 1952 adventures of superman series yes the is that the uh george reeves yeah, one yeah nice yeah so um you know way too much multiversitycomics.com and also on twitter at brian needs a nap what about you uh, I am usually on Twitter at Alice W. Castle. 
um and then just kind of wherever i feel like it sometimes uh but mostly here and on alice w castle on twitter and as always may the force be with you podcast listeners we're the hosts of the dc3 cast i'm zach i'm vince and i'm brian each week we discuss most of the new releases from dc comics focusing mainly on rebirth wildstorm and young animal we also look at the news of the week discuss the film and television adaptations of dc material and dig into industry rumors we've also had a number of dc creators on our show like scott snyder jim lee christopher priest steve orlando and joshua williamson so if you like borat jokes my wife bad to end the dio impressions this is bad what the f- and an in-depth look at dc each week join us every wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com apple podcast or your podcatcher of choice come get jurgens with us